Welcome to Pensions WTAF Working Through the Actual Facts podcast, a podcast brought to you by Pengage Limited, pension communications, engagement and guidance experts. I'm Laura and I have 25 years experience working within the pension sector, helping people to prepare and plan for their retirement. And I'm Nigel Heaton. I joined um, Laura at Pengage last year. After 33 years working in the pensions industry uh, for some of the major employee benefit consultancies, I'm also a fellow of the Pensions Management Institute and on pensions, I'm really short of an opinion. So this is a podcast no one will want to listen to because it's about pensions, but you should listen to it. It's a bit fun, it's relatable, it's kind of important. This is not financial advice, but guidance to help work through some of the practical and emotive issues that causes pensions procrastination. So we basically take the complicated stuff and try and make it a bit not complicated. episode of the Pensions WTAF podcast, Working Through the Actual Facts. I'm Laura Bowler and I'm on my own today. We had a few plans um, and so many things have happened over the last few weeks in the world of pensions that I'm I'm doing a very quick podcast for you by myself today. Now, for those of you that aren't aware, we run a Facebook group, which is called NHS and Public Sector Pensions Report. And we run this group to try and help answer some fairly generic questions that people might have about their pensions or their pensions options. And we've currently got about 2,300 members on that group, which is great. It's very busy. Hop along and have a look if you get a chance um, supporting all of the public sector pension schemes and questions where we can. Um, Also, it's a lovely community and lots of people will give you the benefit of their experiences. So what they've had to do to apply for benefits or try and get copies of information and things like that. So it's a really good resource that you can use. Now, within that Facebook group, we then ran a webinar last week for NHS members uh, at no cost. So, again, we could help explain some of the things that are happening in the scheme at the moment and also some things that they might like to think about when looking at their own pension. We had um, over 250 people attend that webinar and we had loads and loads of questions. It was very intense uh, questioning. It was a really, really good session. So I thought what I would do today is just talk about some of the key questions that were coming up because it's quite clear that there's themes running through a lot of those questions. And so other people might actually have the same query or want to understand how it might apply to their circumstances. So I'm just going to do a very quick round robin so that we can cover off some of these questions and hopefully that will help you understand your circumstances a little bit better. So one of the first questions we have is about pensionable pay. So what is my pensionable pay? Uh, And the follow on question is then if I reduce my pensionable pay because I reduce my hours uh, in the couple of years before I retire, will that affect my pension? Okay. So the pensionable pay is the pay that is used to calculate the pension benefits. Now, each of the public sector pension schemes and each of the sections within those schemes have a slightly different definition of what pensionable pay is. Typically for the schemes that came in after 2015 or 2014, if you're a local government member, the pensionable pay definition is actual pensionable pay. So if you're salaried, it's usually your actual salary reduced for you to take account of your part-time working. Um, If you're perhaps a clinical person, it will be other elements of your pay that might be pensionable, which is things such as on-call, any of the old clinical excellence awards, um, which are pensionable and things like that. 
Now, for the older schemes, what we call the legacy schemes, so that might be your 95 or 2008 in the NHS or classic or premium in the civil service or the final salary sections and the other schemes, they these have different definitions of pay. But typically, it is the highest pay in the last 12 months that you've been employed or before you retire. And it's the full time equivalent pay. OK, for NHS, the 2008 section is a little bit different in that it looks back over the last 10 years to find the highest three year average. So the most recent pay definitely makes a difference, but it does also look backwards and apply inflation. Okay. But the important point is regarding that second question, which is if I reduce my hours before I retire, will that affect my pension? So in the main, the answer is no. So the legacy schemes, the final salary sections are calculated based on full time equivalent pay. So if you reduce your hours and that's the only reason your pay reduces, then it shouldn't affect any of the pension that you've built up previously. OK. Um, the 2015 or the career average scheme that builds up each year based on your pay in that year. So any pension that you've already built up in that section is then also not affected by any reduction in hours for future service. But anything that you build up in the future in that section will be because your actual pay will be lower on account of the reduction in hours. So it will have an impact, but it will be a lesser impact than possibly what you're expecting. If we just remember, it's the full time equivalent pay for the earlier sections. OK. And um, we've had a lot of questions about the McLeod ruling. So we did cover this in the webinar and we've talked about this quite a few times now on the podcast. It's a very hot topic and we are getting closer and closer to that implementation date, hopefully of the 1st of October. So if you want to know a bit more about the background to McLeod, it might be a good idea to go back and listen to some of the previous episodes of the podcast or join the Facebook group and have a listen and a review of the webinar. Because whilst the webinar is mainly around the NHS pension scheme, the impact of the McLeod remedy is the same across all of the public sector pensions. OK, so a very quick recap. McLeod was um, a ruling that was based all around the way in which the new sections were introduced in 2015. So this was right across the public sector. It wasn't just um, for NHS or civil service. It was all of the schemes. So NHS, civil service, teachers, fire, police, judges and so on. Um, because the new sections were introduced following a bigger review of public sector pensions. Now, the way the schemes were introduced initially didn't mean that everybody was moved across into that 2015 section. It depended on two things. First of all, were you a contributing member to the scheme as at April 2012? And secondly, um, if you were, how um, close were you to your normal pension age? So if you were slightly older and you were within 10 years of your normal pension age, then you wouldn't have been moved across. You would have stayed in your original section. If you had less than 13 and a half years to your normal pension age, then you would have been moved across automatically. There was no choice about that. And if you were in the middle group, so you had between 10 and 13 and a half years to your normal pension age, then you would have been moved across, but you would have had a choice about when. So that could have been on the 1st of April 
2015 when most people moved across or it could have been at a later date that was based on your date of birth. OK, now that was true for all of the public sector pension schemes except local gov. So when we talk about local government, you did something a bit different from a cloud. So we're going to talk about you on a different podcast. Now, what the McLeod ruling was then was that Judge McLeod, who was a member of the Judicial Pension Scheme, raised a legal challenge. And that legal challenge was that the way in which the new scheme had been implemented was discriminatory on grounds of age, which when you think about what we've just talked about, that's clearly been the case because the retirement age was a big factor as to whether somebody did or did not move. So fast forward a bit, long protracted process, but essentially, um, HMT, so the Treasury Department in central government, are responsible now for implementing a remedy that removes that age discrimination aspect. So what we do know is that new legislation should drop on the 1st of October this year. And the first part of that legislation will mean that um, the service between 2015 and 2022 will be rolled back into your legacy scheme. So you will effectively be treated as having continued in your legacy scheme until March 22. And then from the 1st of April 22, everybody has then joined the 2015 section for new pension going forwards. So at the moment, across all of the schemes, any retirement estimates which have a retirement date after the 1st of October should show that rollback. So they should reflect that that service has been put back into the legacy scheme and if you are also in the civil service scheme then you are now also being given the choice because what's going to happen for all of you is that when you retire and take your benefits you will be given a choice as to how you wish your benefits from 2015 to 2022 to be calculated so it can be calculated on the basis of your legacy scheme which would be that default position or you can have it calculated on the basis of the 2015 section. So the pension schemes will give you two separate quotes, one for each option, and you would review that and presumably choose the option which provides you with the better outcome for you, which is great. The uh, legislation coming in October will also finalise some of the other details around some more complex areas such as added pension and ERBO or EPA and things like that. So more information will follow if you're affected by those in due course. One thing I would say um, is that one of the common questions that we're seeing a lot on the Facebook group particularly is um, I want my seven years between 2022 2015 sorry in 2022 back into my earlier scheme do I have to do anything so the answer is no you don't have to do anything because I've said as I've said that will be the default position but I've also been pushing back a bit with people on this because my response has been why do you want that in the original section on what basis are you making that statement and the answer is purely that there isn't really one what seems to be happening is that we have built up an unconscious bias that longer time in the older scheme is going to always provide us with a higher set of pension benefits. Now, in some cases, that will be true. That 100% will be true. But in some cases, it will not be. And actually, the pension benefits will be higher from the um, longer period of time in the newer section. And I think what's happened is because the newer section has a later pension age 
and it's been a forced move, the automatic assumption is that by taking it earlier, because it has an early retirement factor applied to it, so the pension is reduced, that it automatically makes it less valuable than the pension from the older sections. And it's not necessarily the case. It depends on what's happened to your pay. It depends on what's happened to your uh, service. It depends on inflation because the newer sections are linked to inflation and inflation has been quite high recently, much higher than pay increases. It depends on which public sector scheme you're in and it also depends on which section you were in before. So there's a lot of variables in there that will define which option is better. And this is why the schemes are giving you a choice so you can see both sets of figures because it will differ for each person and each set of circumstances. So we must be really vigilant about this because you, we really need to make sure that we interrogate that information that we get from the pension schemes to understand fully what our options are. And one key area around this is going to be the lump sum. So in the older final salary schemes, so 1995 classic or final salary 80th and so on, in addition to the standard pension, a lump sum is also payable. Okay. So if you've got more time and more service in that older section, you'll have a higher pension, which will mean a higher standard lump sum compared to if you have more time in the 2015 section, which doesn't have a standard lump sum, but you can choose to give up pension in exchange for a lump sum. Okay. So what will happen is that when you look at your retirement figures, the lump sum from one option as standard will be higher because you've got more service in the older scheme. And the lump sum in the second option, the standard lump sum, will look lower. Now, the knee-jerk reaction may be to take that first option because the lump sum is higher. OK, but what we need to do is understand what would the pension be from the second option if we gave up some pension for lump sum. So effectively giving ourselves the same lump sum amount in both options, but then seeing the impact on the regular income. That's the only way that you're really going to be able to tell whether the pension benefits for you are better from one option or the other. So we mustn't just knee jerk and look at the first lump sum and think that's higher, I'll have that one, because we need to make sure that we understand the whole picture. And this isn't me saying this just to make life difficult for people. It's about making sure you get the highest amount or the optimum option that you can from your pension entitlement. And the only way you can do that is to really look into that carefully. One other thing that sits slightly separately that you might want to consider is the death benefits. So the death benefits are different between the older sections and the new sections. And for some of the schemes, it depends on whether you have a spouse or a partner. So it might be that you need to consider actually what are the better death benefit options for your circumstances as well as just your pension. So again, you need to make sure that you look into that really closely. So you might need help with this. There is lots of free information online on the pension scheme websites and there will absolutely be more to follow. 
once we've got the regulations through in October. So definitely keep checking back for updates. Um, if you're a member of a union, you might also get free support from the union. Um, so definitely have a look at that as well. You can pay for support um, and it might be worth considering if you're really struggling with this. I know that sometimes paying for support like this is not always a palatable thing. It doesn't necessarily feel like a particularly affordable thing, but ultimately this could ensure a way that you get maximum benefit on your pension, which could be hundreds more pounds a year. So it's, it is worth considering or certainly investigating whether that might be an option for you. Uh, look for free webinars like the ones that we provide. Look at the Facebook group. Look at all of those things because you might find that the information you can glean from those free resources, plug those knowledge gaps that you currently have, and that might be sufficient for you to make some decisions. So don't panic. There's a lot more to come on this yet, but just be aware that we need to make sure that we interrogate all of our information fully before we make any decisions that affect our long-term pension benefits. So that's McLeod for the moment. We've also had loads of questions about partial retirement. Now, this is particularly a hot topic in the NHS pension scheme, and that is because they are expanding the flexible retirement or partial retirement option from this year to include the 1995 option. But partial retirement is actually available across all of the public sector schemes in some form. And what it is, is it's the ability to take some or all of your pension benefits continue in continuous employment so no break in service and therefore you retain your terms and conditions so annual leave entitlements and so on and then also you can continue to build up benefits in the newer pension scheme as well so it's kind of like a nice win-win there are terms and conditions that are attached to partial retirement which again are unique to each of the schemes but a very high level for nhs you need to reduce your pensionable pay by 10% as a minimum for the first 12 months. So that could be a reduction in hours. It could be a lower band. It can just be having some elements of your pay on review or temporary, which means they're not pensionable. It can mean working bank and opting out of the pension for the bank, for part of the bank work. So there are different options there and there is more information that you can find online. For the other schemes like teachers and civil service, again, you can do a partial retirement, but you need to take a reduction of 20% in your pensionable pay. And that would usually be done by a reduction in hours. So going from a five day week to a four day week, for example, local gov, again, very similar. So do have a look at your websites, but they are nice options that you can use to kind of ease yourself in to retirement rather than just kind of working and stop. So that's a good one as well. A couple more then before we finish. Uh, one is around lump sums. So is the lump sum tax free? So yes, in most cases, the lump sum is tax free and that applies to the standard lump sum. And if you choose to take a higher lump sum, that is also usually tax free. Not for everyone. There is a HMRC cap and a special calculation that we have to do on the lump sums. But essentially, if your maximum lump sum is under 268275, then it will be tax free. If it's over 268275, you may pay some income tax on that. It will also depend on whether you've got something called um, individual protection or fixed protection, which was something that existed under the lifetime allowance. But in most cases, yes, it is tax free. 
pensions are subject to income tax assessment. So the annual pension figures that you get on your statements from your pension schemes are the gross amounts. They have not taken into account any potential income tax. And what HMRC do is they add your pension income to any other income that you have or have had in the tax year. And that total income then determines the rate of income tax that you will pay. But you do not pay national insurance contributions on pensions in payment just income tax potentially. That is also true of any state pension. State pension is also taxable. But again, if you're just receiving the state pension, it would be low the income tax threshold. But if you're receiving state pension in addition to other pension benefits or salary, then the whole lot gets assessed for income tax. Um, and the last thing then is about early retirement that I'm going to cover. So we've had questions about uh, the pension that's payable if it's taken early and also if the reduction applies across the board forever. So let's just do a little quick recap. Each of the pension scheme sections has what's called a normal pension age and the normal pension age is the age at which you can access the pension benefits without a reduction for early retirement. So they are not the mandatory ages, they're not the ages that you have to take the benefits. It's the age at which you can take the benefits without a reduction. So one of the things we hear quite often, for example, is I can't take my alpha benefits or the 2015 benefits until state pension age. That is not true. You can actually take those benefits currently anytime from 55, but they would be reduced if you took them earlier. So if you want to take them at 60, for example, at the same time as your other benefits, then you can do that. But that would be potentially seven years early. And so there would be a reduction that is applied. OK, now remember, those schemes do grow much quicker than the earlier schemes. So they're growing quicker. They have an inflation link. And yes, they are reduced for being taken early, but it might not have the impact that you're thinking. So you need to make sure that you fully understand the overall value of the pension benefits as well. So the early retirement reduction that applies is to take account of the fact that you're receiving those benefits early. So in very simplistic terms, what the scheme says is Laura's pension age is 67. So we're calculating and banking on the fact we're going to pay her this pension from age 67 until she dies. And they assume an average life expectancy for everyone. Some people will be longer, some people won't. But that's what they have to work from. It's always on the law of averages. So if I decide to take that pension at 60 instead of 67, what the pension scheme is now saying is, oh, well, hang on, we've now got to pay Laura a pension for seven years longer, which will cost the scheme more money. So what we're going to do is reduce that level of pension to take account of the fact that she's having it for a longer period of time. So ultimately, she shouldn't really have had any more money. That's kind of how it works under an average basis. Sometimes I hear taking the pension early as hey, being penalised. So it's not really penalised, as I say, it's adjusted to take account the fact that you want it over a longer period of time. And that reduction stays in place forever. It doesn't then get uplifted when you get to normal pension age. So the pension at 60 is calculated at 60 using the early retirement factor. It's then put into payment, but it then increases each year in line with inflation. It doesn't get uplifted again for the early retirement factor. OK, 
So I'm going to stop there. That's hopefully given you some questions that sort of follow on from the webinar and some of the questions that we're getting on the Facebook page. We will be doing more and more of these as time runs on to do around the cloud and all the changes that are coming into the scheme as well. So keep listening back. Um, I would expect the next one will be a McLeod update, but let's see what happens because many things are changing between now and then. Do give us a like and a subscribe on the podcast. Um, also do have a listen and a watch of the webinar and do follow the Facebook group as well. That is NHS and Public Sector Pension Support. All right. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day.